Swinet. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swinet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative sponsors like NutriQuest, experts serving producers and delivering breakthrough solutions. Genesis, the first power in genetics. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Every Pig, a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Gestal, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Welcome to Swine Eat Podcast. My name is Marcel Gonçalves, your host for today's episode. What's new there, uh, Phil? Interesting times, right? Uh, yeah, weird, weird times. I feel like a lot of the conversations I've been having are are just so so much different than what we're ever used to, right? But it's, um, you know, I, th- I guess pigs are still being born and we're still fortunately able to get pigs old and life moves on, right? Um, yeah. So that's it's kind of the name of the game right now yes so let me ask you Phil. there um for everything that's happening right now what would be one thing that you were surprisingly um positively uh surprised about and one thing that you you were just surprised about that you're definitely not expecting yeah so you know, obviously from a team member standpoint that was something that we were mostly concerned about uh, from a sow farm standpoint. Um, the structure of our business is uh, we don't manage uh, many of our finishing spaces. So the majority of our team is on the sow farm side. And yeah, when this all started happening, you know, we, we started meeting early March, started actually discussing it kind of late February and then started meeting regularly uh, early March. And, you know, kind of our first concern was what happens if we don't have people to staff the farms, you know, how are we going to be able to continue moving on? And at that point, you know, obviously we didn't know the extent of the symptoms and how long people would be out. And um, so I guess sitting here today, I'm surprised that, uh, or I'm thankful that the team has continued to stay around. And um, obviously for those that the virus has affected, it's been uh, very devastating and, you know, not, not good. Uh, fortunately, we've, we've not had any confirmed positives at our farm yet. Uh, we've had several individuals that, you know, obviously uh, came down with the fever and um, decided that, uh, you know, that they weren't feeling good. Right. Um, but several of them have, have been able to get tested and some of them, their primary care doctor just said, Hey, wait and see how long the fever lasts. And, right. um, you know, we've been able to take some steps uh, to segregate teams some too. So that's been uh, really, I think, helpful in the event that uh, we do have someone that has positive. We've been able to, um, on our South Farm specifically, we split each farm into two different groups and they're working different hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now we're doing uh, four days on, four days off, 12-hour shifts. Wow. Um at the beginning, I think everyone was like, okay, how's this going to go? You know? Mm. And of course, um, there's, there's been a little bit of challenge with that, but honestly, by and large, I've, we've been really surprised with the attendance record that we've had, you know, we've had very few people 
um, calling out. And I think most people are committed to doing their work that they would normally do every day, which is a, a great surprise, you know, and, and honestly a, a huge um, advantage and huge blessing for us that we're able to continue things relatively as normal. Good deal. No, that's great. It's great to hear. Um, let me see. We have about 60 folks here on the call, uh, everyone. So just drop your questions as well here for a few. We're going to get to them uh, a little later here. And uh, in the meantime, Phil, another question I have for you is you guys have been farming for five generations. Is that right? Yeah, if you ask my grandpa, he would probably say it would be more than that. But okay. <laughs> We've been saying five generations. I'm five generations. My daughter would be six generations. So that's good. Um, that's good. As long as you bought a, as long as you bought a plastic tractor for her, we're good. <laughs> yeah, my wife recently bought her a little shirt, and it said uh, "Future Farmer" on it, or "Daddy's Little Farmer." So um, I'm, uh, I'm just itching to get her into the barn, and uh, you know, I, she loves. We have two dogs, so she's been loving on those, and I can't. I, you know, I'm sure she's going to love pigs, but that'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, that'd be absolutely. Awesome. So, so on that question, you know, five generations, um, you guys have been through several cycles, uh, from the last century in pig production. Um, what would be some cornerstone, uh, business, uh, pillars that, you know, you guys talk about, you know, over, you know, how to handle, is that having a lot of cash on hand to survive? So, so what would be these top, top two or three things that other producers should, should, uh, should keep in mind? Because as we know, a lot of people go bankrupt. So, so what, what are those key things there, Phil? Yeah. Um, so my grandparents and my parents are the ones that are currently, you know, uh, running the business. I think one thing that's always kind of ran through, you know, ran strong with them has been, um, a certain level of conservatism in regards to um, not overcapitalizing themselves and um, making strong business decisions. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I can't say that there hasn't been times where that's been, uh, you know, never been an issue, right? We still worry about what that looks like long-term, but I think um, what, what has been able to be, um, so, like, if we go back, um, you know, several generations ago, the way that this farm really got started was um, that my great great grandpa uh, and my great grandpa, really, uh, during uh, World War II, basically, there was a ceiling on hog prices, and he was able to. Uh, he thought he was going to sell those pigs at a loss, or you know, at, at you know nothing, and was able to actually sell them double than what he was thinking he was going to sell them at, and that was actually the down payment for our first farm, and so you know, I sit here today and I'm like, wow, like what happens, what, what would have happened if that never would have happened? Yeah. You know, we wouldn't be here today. Um, but I think that the long term has been, you know, kind of fast forwarding to today. A lot of it has been just calculated uh, decisions and a lot of our growth has been organic. You know, we've not been a, been in a situation where we've been acquiring um, any large number of animals uh, today. You know, I, I think that our business could look much larger, but I don't think that it, that was never the goal. And so I think for those that are just like, Oh, I need to have another 500 sows, another 2000 sows, another 10,000 sows. You know, it was never about a number and more about how do we effectively manage what we have today and do that well. 
And then when there's an opportunity that comes to us either to expand our own herd, um, you know, we do that, but obviously we're in different times today and, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next, um, six, 12, 18 months, right. In this industry. Very good. I did hear some, some estimates and you never know, no one knows what's going to happen, but I did hear some estimates that for the next six to 12 months, we're probably going to stay at about 80% capacity overall for packing plants, which it's kind of surprising for me. You know, I wouldn't be expecting that, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I think there's, you know, in my opinion, there's a few different things that we've been hearing or that others have shared with us. And a lot of those come down to that. We have some older facilities that were already running way over capacity that what they were, what the, the usefulness of the equipment was or what the capabilities were. Um, you know, we have other strategic decisions of, of maybe not having as much supply, focusing more on, on quality or relationships with, uh, you know, the, the, uh, customer, you know, their individual customer, um, you know, I guess in general, it, we would obviously like to see that number be higher or think that the number would be higher. And quite honestly, you know, maybe it will be higher than that, but, uh, you know, I think that we have a lot of aging facilities, so it's not, doesn't come as a huge surprise, but maybe it's a bad time to be thinking about running the plants at lower capacity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That makes sense. Um, I'm looking here, guys. Uh, this is a quiet group here. We had a call a few weeks ago and there was 22 questions. So you guys better get your questions going here. No questions yet. So uh, few in the meantime, if we forget uh, COVID uh, 19 for, for a minute, which I think everyone is, is past. Yeah. Let's <laughs> do on that one. Um, overall, uh, just production, like what would be, you know, before uh, everything happened, what's the latest and greatest from production, overall production standpoint that, that you are seeing there? Um, so one thing that we were really working on uh, coming out of the fall and into this winter before the virus really started was focusing on farrowing rate um, in sow farms. Uh, you know, one thing that we uh, maybe used to do a little bit better job at that we weren't doing today was focusing on like for a 2,500, we want 115 sows of barrel every week. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so we actually had some really great success with that. We had farms get behind that, you know, that's the really simple concept. You know, it's like, okay, it takes a little bit to plan for, right. We have four months uh, to, to work on that, but, um, there's ways of, of, uh, of, you know, whether that be pulling animals out of pen gestation earlier so they don't lose a litter, whether that be focusing on um, animal condition more, whether that be focusing on the, even just the breeding process more. Um, but we were having really good success with that and still are today. Um, we're sitting at some of our best bearing rates that we've been at in a while. Um, maybe it's not the best time for that, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's a, one goal that we had. You know, we, we're obviously still battling the sum mortality issue. That's still something that is uh, is big and, and one that uh, our system is oh more than half pen gestation now. So mm -hmm. we're, we're well on our way to uh, being fully penned uh, in for sale gestation. And I think we're just learning, we're continuing to learn uh, what best housing, you know, scenario might, might continue. I think there's a... a correlation there in terms of 
uh, fairing rate and being able to keep sows bred uh, in a scenario in pen gestation. And that's something we've got to keep learning, got to keep working on. You know, on the nursery finishing side, it's just continuing to, or maybe our mortality ticked up a little bit more than what it had been in the past. You know, it wouldn't have been unheard of for us to be sitting at 1% nursery mortality. You know, maybe that creeped up a half percent or so over the last few years. Um, some of that may be due to lower wean age and maybe some other relatively minor health issues. Um, so we've just been continuing to work on that. And, um, you know, we've got, we've got some cool trial work going, some nursery and finishing studies going to continue working on the nutrition front. Um, you know, I guess for those that don't know me, I guess that's one of the areas that I help manage for the business and is a really exciting area to be a part of. You know, and, you know, Marcia, you know this, but when we, when I first came back to our business, uh, what, almost five years ago, five years ago now, uh, we were kind of looking for something, you know, I came back in the business, I worked in different areas, but long-term I was like, okay, how do I add value to what we already have? And that's where I ended up finding a lot of uh, value and, uh, or, you know, feeling like I was able to contribute uh, was helping improve the area of, of nutrition and then over time, those areas of nutrition and production management kind of, um, you know, continue to coincide together. And, um, you know, it's been, been a fun area to be involved with. But. Very good. That makes total sense. So we have five questions now. Great, guys. Great okay. job. So uh, Dr. Annie Lerner, how are you, Annie? Uh, Phil, such rare times. But what do you think it's, uh, but do you think it's uh, irresponsible as pork producers to run a uh, tight supply uh, and rely so heavily on the packers? It's getting hot here, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we, I think the producer, you know, I guess if we're, if we're getting real, it's getting hot. I think that if we as producers sit back and we really are honest, I think we kind of created some of this mess, right? Uh, we came out of PED time. Some people made a lot of money. There was a lot of growth. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I I think it's unfair to say that the producer didn't have a lot to do with this in terms of massive growth. Um, and, you know, the other thing to think about also is the improvement in production. You know, we've had a really great improvement in production over the last several years. Right. And as an industry, you know, maybe I can't say that we've had such significant production improvements in our own business. But, you know, I guess as an industry as a whole, if we think about that, that's, that's continually improving as we learn more about disease and we mitigate disease and we have treatment for disease. So I think it's a multifaceted issue if you ask me. Um, but I guess, I don't know if I would go to say that it's irresponsible, but I think it's definitely, um, it, it's uh, understandable that we would be in this place based off of where we've been heading for the last handful of years makes sense makes sense that's pretty tight pretty tight uh supply chain right yeah um nat stats hey nat uh he's asking hey phil you're involved very involved uh, with the research initiatives within the company what are some of the things that you are working on and how has this shift your focus uh what should we be looking at at during these times or on the back end of this you know, there's been some great research that came out regarding uh, how to slow pigs down. You know, there's there's been research there, but we've we've seen some additional suggestions on how to slow pigs down um, if we need to do that based off of not being able to get them sold. Um, 
you know, I can't say that we've done a lot of new or interesting things there. Um, we are testing something in the nursery right now uh, where uh, we're titrating uh, different lysine levels uh, all the way down to uh, with soybean meal. So we're, we're actually going down to um, a 0% soybean meal diet. In, mm-hmm. um, it started week three in the nursery and we're tearing that out to week six. Um, should be pretty interesting. We've got some, you know, we've never done that before, obviously. that. Mm-hmm. And that's a different time. Most people aren't thinking about that in terms of that stage of pig, but we're thinking that that may that same concept may be able to carry through into their early grower phase, and uh, may be able to help us with some learnings for maybe some finishing pigs. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, that's something that we're working on. You know, I guess in general in nursery, we've just been working on cutting cost. Um, you know, the last. Obviously, that's everyone's goal. Well, I wouldn't say that's everyone's goal. That was our goal mm-hmm. um, because with, you know, fortunately, we have higher health. Um, we don't, you know, we're triple negative. We're not dealing with a lot of routine disease where we are here in Ohio, unfortunately, knock on wood. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so a lot of what we've been working on in nursery is figuring out ways to um, produce a healthy pig, but just at a little bit lower cost. Um We've recently had some success with uh, the second phase diet. So for us, uh, we start with a small pelleted feed. We don't pellet our feeds uh, through nursery or finishing generally, uh, but we start with a starter pellet. And then uh, we've been working on a second phase diet actually where uh, we used to use, or you know, we're currently still investigating this. So we, we currently use a base mix of uh, some uh, whey permeate and fish meal, alternative proteins to help that animal start growing. And we've been investigating replacing that with synthetic amino acids and just completely getting rid of the alternative proteins, just basically going to a corn soy diet. Mm. Um, and that we've had some really good success with that. And, um, you know, I'm excited to say we just turned a uh, 10,000 South flow onto that program. So oh. we've got a few research studies under our belt there. We'll keep learning, but mm-hmm. you know, I think the, the modern pig is, my training is in finance, so um, <laughs> I should say I should put the preface there. I've been learning about nutrition, I've been learning about health, and I'm still learning every day. Um, but my quid education is in in finance. But you know, a lot of what we've been doing is kind of pushing the limits based off of what we knew was originally possible. Some of that comes from ignorance, I would say, um, maybe mm-hmm. not knowing all the the literature or a lot of the the standards that we would normally use, but. Um, I've got a great team and, and some great mentors that are helping us out with that. And it's been exciting. Very, very interesting. Uh, we have a few more here. Uh, Phil, uh, it's uh, Franklin Kings. It is early days in the COVID-19, but have you thought about uh, any change you might do in the future because of the past eight weeks? One example, the the work schedule or any other thing that you guys are already, hey, we're going to do this. Um, a comment. From a techno- um, technology side, I heard a few companies from the IT side going uh, going uh, home office, and so uh, there's been a few already step changes in humanity, if you will. Anything for for you guys? Yeah, I mean, I think long term we would like to get back to having a normal staffing schedule. You know, I think it's been really interesting to see how well that we've been able to adapt to what we're doing today. Um, you know, our business, we focus a lot on people. And I think a lot of the 
things that we're concerned about long-term is that that team isn't able to be a true team, right? They can be two co- cohesive and separate teams, but for each farm, I th- think there's a lot of, I think a lot of people can identify with that. You know, those South farm teams become like a little family. And so what you've been doing is separating certain people out and yeah, they're making their own little families into two different groups. But, you know, my goal long-term is, and our goal long-term is to, to get them back together and, I think we'll see that relatively soon. You know, we've been talking about that. When's the best time? What are ways that we can still implement some protective uh, measures to, to ensure uh, that our team can, can be healthy, um, but still be able to work together? Uh, one thing we are working on is, uh, you know, unfortunately, some of our South Farms don't have great internet connections. So um, to do video calling is, is somewhat of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is something that we're investigating. We're, we're working on um, installing uh, some TVs with cameras so that we can do more remote meetings. So in this scenario, we've been having to do remote meetings out of necessity. But I think in the future, it makes a lot of sense that maybe we can have more uh, more uh, meetings uh, just in terms of, you know, not meeting just once a month, but meeting yeah. every week, every yeah. week or every two weeks by using uh, technology that way. So that might be something that we would be be looking at in the future. Yeah, I love it. Super cool. Uh, we're getting lots of more questions here, Phil. Let's get it. Okay. Let's get it done. Uh, Marion, she's asking your three biggest health uh, challenges and a, a different question she had as well as your top three things that cost you the most or keep you up at night. So like I said earlier, fortunately, we're not dealing with a lot of PERS or PED uh, in our area. Uh, I would say, honestly, the, the biggest challenges that we're dealing with are strep uh, bacteria, and we're also dealing with um, some E. coli in the nursery. Um, and finishing a lot, we would be dealing with uh, HBS, uh, some uh, uh, ileitis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we've been playing around with some vaccines there and have some success there with ileitis. Um, those would be some of our main challenges uh, when it comes to uh, performance of animals and, and maintaining health. You know, top three things uh, that keep me up at night. You know, it's a, it's a teaser for your talk at the Swine Talks conference. Yes, just yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, I I think uh, we're gonna have to figure out what this commodity market looks like long term. I think we're gonna have to figure out how to sell our story. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's not just selling our story, it's making true believers of the story and helping them understand, uh, you know, the farm, more people are removed from the farm ever that, you know, than ever before we have, uh, more people in the world that have never seen a pig, that have never seen a cow, um, that have never seen a chicken. Mm -hmm. And we're fighting against, um, media in a connected society that, uh, can spew lies or false information very fast. And um, that's one thing that concerns me for the long term. Uh, you know, I, I definitely, um, you know, I guess more short term, it would be just, you know, when when does, when do we to, to return to normal? You know, that's, mm-hmm. I think it's on everyone's mind, but it's, it's definitely on my mind is when do we return to normal? What does normal look like? You know, how may, maybe this will shape our business. Um, into looking like something else, uh, you know, because of, of how we're able to, or we have to, to, um, go to move forward. You know, I, I think that any business owner is wondering what does the next six months look like, let alone the next, 
six years. You know, fortunately, us in agriculture, we're, we're relatively, obviously, we're going through major challenges, major issues, but our businesses are are still operating. You know, for some of us, that's scary. You know, there's, there's times where, you know, we're not sure that we will be able to continue, but I think in general, we still have animals to feed and, and animals are still being born and, mm-hmm. you know, there's still action. And so I, I think to like the restaurant industry, you know, there's some restaurants that have chosen to be able to do carry out, but some restaurants, I mean, locally we've had several that have just shut down, you know, they've done nothing. So I know that's very common across different, different locations, but, um, you know, I guess it's just, what does the next six months look like? Let's focus on this. The last, the last eight weeks feels like an eternity. So maybe what does the next eight weeks look like? (laughs) Yeah. Especially that one year old at home. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She is, uh, She's crazy. She is so fun. You know, I got home today and she runs over and, you know, she just, she started to say my name. So, oh, that's good. Uh, you know, dad has home. So yeah, it was, it was fun. Oh, that's so cool. I was going to say, so my son is, is one month old. So if anyone know how to stop a baby crying or colic and all those things, drop, drop the comment here that we're going to use it tonight. Um, so Phil, another question. Let's see here. Another question from Annie. Um, me again uh, she said uh, how is corn quality out there any mycotoxins that you're concerned about right now as we uh, use up last year's corn crop uh, any thoughts on binders uh, Chad Polk is, is following up on that same question he was asking are you hey Chad are you doing anything during the corn drying process to limit these concerns yeah so fortunately we're not dealing with a lot of mycotoxins from 2019 corn uh, we saw quite a bit of toxin in 2019 wheat in our area, um, so that limited uh, some of the like wheat mids would be a byproduct that we can sometimes feed, um, and, and then the levels were low enough, and we were using a lower inclusion before COVID kind of changed all this. But before we were able to feed that based off of pricing and whatnot, but we were feeding at a lower inclusion level um, and finishing. Uh, sometimes we throw mids and sow gestation diets, but uh, we were looking at four to five PPM dawn, um, which uh, for us at the level that we wanted to feed the mids, um, we, we weren't comfortable with that. Um, so our corn, our complete feed is testing well below one. Um, our corn is, is testing in that 0.75 area. Um, you know, I would say the average is maybe slightly less than that sometimes, but the, I would say in general, the corn is, is fine. Uh, we were dealing with some pest weight issues, so maybe some quality from that front, okay. um, just maybe not having the best corn available to us that we had purchased. But, you know, so maybe a little bit more powdering and things uh, that, that we weren't used to from years prior was happening. Um, we are using binders uh, in uh, sows and in uh, nursery pigs. Um, for us, like I said, Don is, is the biggest concern. Um, so especially in nursery, we, um, so we are feeding, um, for those that know, like diffusion would, would be a, a similar product to kind of like what we're attacking it with. Um, and in sows, we're using uh, a broad spectrum, uh, mycotoxin binder mainly focused on uh, aflatoxins or alanone, and we have minor traces of both of those as well as uh, we have uh, something in there for Dawn as well 
even though we have low levels, I feel like it's, it's worth it from an insurance standpoint for us. And it doesn't make me worry about that as much as maybe if we didn't have anything in there. Very good, Phil. Thank you. Um, let's see here. Uh, Steve Kidd. Hey, Steve. Uh, hi, Phil. You mentioned the last eight weeks feel like an eternity. So true. Uh, how have you felt like you and others in the leadership team uh, have coached, it, coached your teammates through it? Any great examples of people helping people teammates in business or otherwise from what you've seen? I owe you an email back to you. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we, uh, you know, we've had an amazing uh, time with our team. I think we've had, um, like I said earlier, kind of in the first part of the call, it was amazing to us, the level of commitment to their job, to their caring of animals. It wasn't just a job. I think if it was, we saw too many people and we, and you know, I, we've been made aware of many stories where people just um, stopped going to work or they, you know, they were scared of the virus. And, um, you know, I don't think it was anything we did super special. I think it was more like, let's make them as comfortable as they can so that they can accomplish the work that needs to be done. And, you know, early on, like, like I said, we were early on in the schedule thing. We, we implemented the separate scheduling and um, shared surface cleaning Uh, so disinfection multiple times a day, um, uh, that masks were made available. Um, we were just talking today on our management, South production management call that maybe we should start looking at the face shields. You know, people are starting to hear of the face shields, the clear plexiglass shields. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe that would be an intermediary step to being able to potentially bring people back together. Um, you know, we tried to spread out the break room, you know, people not sitting right next to each other. We just did things that we tried to do to try to help make it a great environment for people to still feel comfortable coming to work. Um, and, and, you know, I guess the other thing that I have glossed over as I've been talking about this, but was really essential was um, temperature taking. So we implemented the whole temperature thing really early on. And I guess Ohio, I think Ohio, like the Ohio governor, Governor DeWine was one of the first ones to like shut things down and be like on front lines which I don't know, you know, everyone has different perspectives of this. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I guess initially it kind of made us naturally part of the first group that did the temperature taking and did the shared surface cleaning and things. But I'm wondering if some of those things helped people feel more comfortable that, okay, if I don't have a fever, then I'm okay coming to work. Mm -hmm. But we've been doing different little like weekly or biweekly gifts um, to the team, like some things as simple as a pack of M&Ms, Early on, we did toilet paper. That was kind of fun. Uh, everyone got a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've recently done some meat. Um, I know we're getting ready to do some uh, T-shirts that have, like, essential on them. So, you know, just kind of doing, like, little fun things and That's things cool. to keep people encouraged and uh, feel like they're part of a, a team. And, uh, you know, I feel like we're just trying to do everything we can there. Very good. Awesome. So we've, we're getting close to the end here, guys. Um, I have one quick question from Chad Polk here, um, Phil, and then I have a few other random questions that I, that I want to ask you here that goes, they go beyond uh, pig production. So Chad was asking, uh, you talked about crystalline amino acids in the nursery diets. Are you adding those amino acids individually or uh, so that in the microgreening system or you're, you have an amino acid premix? Uh, yeah, they're added individually, yep. We're, we're doing them at separate rates and they're, it's okay. not a, 
yeah, they're added individually formulated to spec for us. Okay. Yeah. And they go, they go up to Valin or, or you said you go beyond uh, Valin. Do you use Isolucine, for example, or not? No. no. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, so here are the random questions, guys. Phil, um, so if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, uh, you know, metaphorically speaking, uh, what, would you, what would it say and why? I feel like I'm obligated to say, like, farmers aren't trying to kill you. <laughs> you know, I feel like the, in today's world, it's like everyone, you know, not everything is a conspiracy. Uh, don't believe everything you read in the newspaper or on Facebook. Um, you know, maybe a faith-based message. You know, I don't know. It's, it's uh, I can't help but thinking, you know, before this whole thing, it was all about the fake meat. You know, not that that's not a, a huge issue today. Um, for those of you that follow the stock market, you know, Beyond has been having a, a fairly good time during, Beyond Me has been having a fairly good time during this uh, issue. Mm. Um, so, I, you know, I, I don't know what that looks like, you know, but yeah. from as far as the fake meat goes, but yeah, farmers aren't trying to kill you. Maybe I'll, I'll put that as my top one. <laughs> I love it. Next one is, uh, what are bad recommendations you hear in pig production? I think a lot of times we try to undersell the value of a person, uh, the people doing the job. You know, there's this been the last year or two, there's been this big push um, to focus on people, which is really great um, because I think a lot of times if we look back, it was just train them how to do the job, how you want them to do it. And you know, you'll get results. And by all means, there's, there's obviously standards and there's things that we need to teach. Um, mm -hmm. but I disagree with the fact that people don't need to understand why they're doing something. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that, that that means that that makes people be able to go the extra mile. That means that they, they know why they're doing a certain. So just telling someone to do something, I don't want that. You know, I like being able to tell, you know, tell them the reason why they're doing it. And if it takes some people that will come naturally, like, okay, I get it. Some people that's accomplished over months, you know, uh, you know, several months. So I, I I think that's one thing that kind of rubs me the wrong way is, is like we can just fill farms with people that are robots. And mm -hmm. if we look back, I don't think that our, our history of our business, you know, our industry would be in our business would be where it is today. If we just have robots, I'm yeah. all about AI. I'm all about technology, <laughs> but you know, I, I think there's yeah. still a lot of caring that is involved. So yeah. Yes. Yes. That makes total sense. Okay, very good. Uh, two more questions, folks, and we're done uh, for the evening. Uh, few, one is, in the last two years, a few years, uh, one new belief, behavior, or habit uh, that most improved uh, your life? Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's common for uh, people in agriculture to just work themselves to death. And if you're not working that you're not, doing everything you can so i've actually noticed my dad has started to like come along with this like he used to be that way mm -hmm. he would readily admit that and you know there's there is no question that hard work pays off but i think investing in things that and time investing time in family and things that you enjoy is not a bad thing and in fact it recharges you to be able to do what you know what you need to do better so I, I've just been learning that. I haven't mastered that. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, 
I try to shut my laptop after dinner, you know, you, you know, in the past, maybe I would have been doing emails or doing whatever, but <laughs> I've tried to shut that off, and, you know, or, you know, do whatever. So, you know, hard work is, is awesome, but there's a time and a place and uh, being able to know when to shut things off. It's hard to say, you know, I feel like that's almost it's kind of a selfish thing to say because there's so much awful things that are going on, but, yeah, you know that that's essential for us to be able to provide our best. My mom took time for yourself to be able. That's one thing I've been learning that I feel. Very cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's super cool. Last question. Last question. Feel is. Uh, so when so you, it's cut off a little bit. When you feel overwhelmed or unfocused or have lost your focus temporarily, what do you do? If I'm at the office, I usually get up and go grab some coffee. <laughs> um, if I, uh, you know, I guess in general, I think there's times over the last, you know, several years that I've been kind of like, eh, I'm feeling meh about things. Um, my wife and I like to travel. So even if it's just a day trip, you know, that's can be really refreshing, uh, really, you know, change your perspective. I think in general, just changing your place, you know, if you're, you go out and do something, go somewhere that you've not been, or, you know, even sometimes that can be going to a barn that you haven't been to in a while, going to visit a team that you don't have routine contact with, you know, that can be really refreshing, you know, for times where it's like, I am in a huge rut and I don't, I don't know what I, I like anymore, you know, I, mm -hmm. I don't know where to go. You know, I feel like I always come back from longer trips, refreshed too. So doing some traveling, that's what I like to do. I love it. This is awesome, Phil. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Phil. And thanks, everyone, for, for being here tonight. We have another one uh, Thursday with uh, Dr. Chad Haston from New Fashion. Everyone is invited. And uh, have a good night there, Phil. And thanks, uh, Matt. Where's Matt? Uh, Ruda. He sent some uh, colleague, baby colleague tips here on the, on the private. So. All right. Take care. See you guys. Thanks, guys. Good night. Hey, everyone. Please share our episodes with as many people as you can so we can continue to impact the life of swine professionals from around the globe with the wisdom of our great guests. Before you go, make sure to get in our waitlist for the Swine Talks web conference, the first online conference of the global swine industry, an update on hot topics, and we're even going to have some controversial topics of the global swine industry so you can leverage that knowledge in your day-to-day. Go to swinetalks.com and get on our wait list. We'll talk soon.